Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. easy to to be like a family because like you have people all around the world and we learn from other people things and it's so fun I really struggled to find my way and for what I was made to do you know and after that my coach just made me try this Russian cradle but then like I start to practice and the challenge it was giving me to break the fear of doing things so incredible. I just felt in love with it. When you go for it and yeah, there will be hard times in everything you do. It never can be easy because if it would be easy, everybody would do it. And I think, yeah, I found my way and myself into Russian Cradle because it just challenged me and I, I love it. When I think when I was 14 years old and I was my dream, it was to be a circus artist and to know where I am today and all hard work I did all this all these years. I'm so lucky and I'm really happy because it's not everybody that can do what they love in life, you know? Hi guys, it's Faye, your host for the Face World Podcast. I'm back for yet another episode this week with a lovely young lady named Annie Laplante. Annie is currently performing with Circus 1903 in a breathtaking act called Russian Cradle Duel. Russian Cradle Duel is a famously known circus act where the aerialist being propelled is referred to as a flyer, and that is Annie. Well, the one doing the tossing and catching is referred to as the carrier or the catcher. And that's her husband in real life. The flyer usually starts and ends standing on the frame above the catcher. Then the flyer swings, holding onto the catcher's hands, performs releases at the top of the swing and is recaught in midair. There are many technical aspects of this act I will leave out for now, but you can Google them fairly easily in terms of the strength and speed required for the tossing and throwing to be possible. Needless to say that this act is very challenging and dangerous. I was covered with tears when I first watched Ani perform in one of my favorite Cirque du Soleil shows called Curios. I cried again the second and third time. Ani's act felt vulnerable, pure, and so brave. In our conversation today, we will take you inside the circus world and beyond. So, how is Ani enjoying her performance 
as an aerialist in Circus 1903 and how does that compare to her other shows with Cirque du Soleil? What is the creation process like? What are the most challenging part of rehearsing an act? For those of you who are interested in pursuing a career in Cirque or know someone who does, this episode is going to help answer many, if not all, the questions. From working on the road, packing strategically so your life can fit literally inside a suitcase for months. I had a blast and quite a few laughs with Ani, who is an absolute pleasure to chat with. If you're not so convinced yet that this is a magical episode, well, we'll take you to Ani's origin and where she began her training. As a Montreal native, Ani was so lucky to have grown up in a city, the most ideal city in the world, to become a circus artist. The National Circus School is located in the heart of Montreal, where Ani received her high school and college degrees. Let's talk about the circus school for a second. When it comes to the technical courses, uh, we're talking about physical conditioning, dancing, acting, voice and music, performance and creation, as well as basic and more advanced techniques such as aerials, acrobatics, balancing, and manipulation. Some of the theory courses include circus history, applied anatomy, methodology, health and safety, staging techniques, and career management. Doesn't this sound a bit like Harry Potter? If you enjoy this episode, I would also highly recommend the one right before this with David Williamson, who happens to be the ringmaster of Circus 1903. As always, if you could tell one more person about Phase World Podcast, will help us tremendously and spread our wings and fly even higher as a homegrown production company, sharing more and more stories from unsung heroes and self-made artists. Without further ado, Please welcome Annie Laplante to the Face World Podcast. Annie, I'm so glad to have you on the show. You are so far, I guess, the fourth circus performer on Face World. And I've told you this in person, which I was so touched by your performance, uh, I believe first in Curials and most recently in 1903. You have a lot of style and a lot of certainty to the way that you put the acts together. So thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm really ap- appreciated. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about 1903, because that's your most current show right now. I I know the show has been on uh, since the beginning, since inception, for only seven months. And you guys have been performing together since December 2016. So how has that been like for you? Uh, It was a bit crazy because... um we had a lot of uh, TV show that we did. We had a lot of project that was coming on the side. And we knew that uh, Circus 1903 was coming up and we didn't know what to expect about it because it was a new show, new creation. And uh, we create everything only in two weeks. So it was crazy. <laughs> we were working like every day from you know morning to night. And it was like, just like rehearsing, rehearsing and building uh, all the parts of the show. 
so yeah two weeks to create such a it's a big show anyway and a big strong act so it was crazy but right now we really enjoy it you know we do our act and we are able to more uh, be comfortable with our performance every every day that we perform so Wow. So two weeks that you're working every single day. How long ago was that in 2016? Uh, we create from middle of November to end of November. And after we start the touring in Australia and now we are in U.S. So it was Australia plan and now U.S. until July 2017. Mm. So since you are a an expert at this point with your husband for the Russian Cradle Acts um, together, what did you have to change or modify for 1903? What did you have to do differently for this show? Um, our choreography is pretty much the same, but, you know, all the story uh, around it, it's completely different. So it's allowed us to play differently than what we used to play before. We we able to adapt our style to any kind of show. Right now, it's more like a family show, so we cannot be as much uh, sensual that we would <laughs> normally be. But, but, you know, we adapt and we anyway able to tell the story just in a different way. Mm. So it seems like uh, you are part of the creation process as well. And you're not just an acrobat, but you are creating the show. Do you enjoy that process? Yeah, I think it's very enjoyable because the show itself is its really easy, like story. And it's the kids love it. You know, the kids are just crazy about it. So it's fun to be able to play your own character in front of the public because there's no restriction you know they don't they didn't tell us oh you have to be this character and you know we able to be ourselves and this is i think it's more interesting as artists because you have a liberty of be who you want to be on stage wow so you mentioned a number of things at the beginning and you two have been very successful with Cirque du Soleil and you know you've been successful so how were you drafted or identified for the 1903 show what was that transition like for you because you had a lot of good options presented to you we worked uh, before with this company with the show called uh, le noir which it was a, we did a three weeks only in new zealand and we already knew this company we already knew okay the, the people the bosses and the production so we already felt uh, comfortable and 1903 was looks like a very good opportunity because it, I mean with the puppetries and everything is something old but it's remind us from where circus come from you know and I, I think it was just like that's it we we say yeah why not to try and when we arrive and they show us the costumes and the style you know it it was fun and you know I had to do my air like really like old style and for me it was weird you know but I showed to my mom and she was like oh it's like your grandma was doing this <laughs> you know like so it just it just remember so much memory from the history of circus wow that that's definitely sounds like a lot of fun. You mentioned um, you were working on a TV show as well. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, we did. Uh, we start with TV show in 
America Got Talent. So we did the, our performance. We get to the quarterfinal. And we've been cut from the TV show. But after that, other TV shows start to um, ask our act to go perform in uh, Italy. Italy got talent and after Georgia got talent so everything was was fun after that like we just had so many experience with TV show and now we're more comfortable to work on TV again uh, for the future that's interesting recently I learned more about how America were you know were the same equivalent show for China for Britain it, it is very a lot of people my listeners may not know that it's very much a show, like a TV show, yeah. instead of a competition. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's a, a lot of artistic talent involved, but also sort of creating that TV drama. And just want to clarify that, I think, at this point. Yeah, they know I, what I mean. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a little bit difficult for us because, especially in America Got Talent, you know, it, it, exactly what, as you say, it's a TV show. So it was difficult to be just ourselves and do how we would normally do because they ask us to do something different or whatever. But we adapt and now we know how they work. And now if we don't really worry about that, we just, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, fear and mm-hmm. feeling fear being on the TV show or the letdown of something that doesn't necessarily happen, I have tremendous amount of respect and also curiosity for someone like yourself and all the performers uh, alongside of you, you know, for, for this show, for Curios and beyond. The act, which I'm going to incorporate a little video on the blog post so people get to see the different performances that you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very scary one because I think I cried twice watching Curios because it looked really challenging. And I know, in fact, it is challenging. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you are, you're petite and, you mm-hmm. know, it's indescribable that you're flipping, you're doing all these to me, acrobatical ballet, and there's a combination of everything uh, you're trying to do in midair. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell me about maybe a little bit more about how you approach that act today versus when you first, when you were first introduced to it? How did it feel for you on stage? Were you scared? Oh, at the beginning, you know, of course, it's very scary. You you don't know if you will have the control of your movement of your body because the stress, you know, like affect a lot the, the way you think or the way you react to some situations. And of course, when you have less experience, more danger can happen because you know, like I can make one decision in the air, but my husband can make another thought. So by the time we really was able to feel each other, to know how to react to one mistake that we did again, okay, we're not going to do this mistake again because something happened there and it's dangerous. And it's a lot about just trust and and try to to do the best. Sometimes, yeah, even last week, something happened on stage, but our reaction was the same thought, so it, nothing happened. Of course, now I feel more confident because we did this routine really often, but sometimes we change some other things and again, the stress come back. But it's just for a short period. Mm. How long ago did you rehearse this act? Uh, maybe a version of it? Uh, yeah, we start to create our act in 2015. 
at the end of 2015, we started to create uh, the artistic and we did some trick together just to try. But yeah, so it's been two years that we get with this act now. Yeah. But we're changing all the time a little bit. Yeah. And it's so much fun because, you know, you can make decisions on, on the go. And I've seen the act multiple times and I've seen the difference and how you captivated the audience. So how did you approach your husband? I mean, in this case, I want to refer to him as your partner in the act as well. Did he approach you? Did you approach him? How did you two come together and start creating something so beautiful? So uh, my husband was working on Corteo from Cirque du Soleil before me. And I joined four years after he was there. So I joined in 2012. I joined Corteo. It was a group act with many, many girls and many guys. And Andre, my husband, was the, my training partner. So we were training every day, like for an hour, just him and me to get me used to fly with the group. And, and very quickly, two weeks after, we had this very strong chemistry of partnership. And it was so easy and enjoyable to to train together. And we wanted more and more and ask, oh, can we train tomorrow too? You know, like. And it was just so fun. And with the time, we were able to train every day and try to just think about, okay, maybe it would be cool to have a duo number and create something. So every day was doing a little bit of training. And at the end, it just gave this act. But we worked a lot and we changed a lot of things. And, oh, no, this doesn't work. And film each other. Oh, no, I don't like that. Let's change that. You know, all acts take a while to be a good uh, final product. Mm -hmm. so many questions I wrote down. And one thing that intrigued me about your background, which is very different than others, I've interviewed Irini, who's a singer of Curials. Uh, I interviewed both the Atherton twins from Paramore and Zarkana, yes. very kind. So I noticed you are the only one so far who has gone through the National Circus School or any circus school so far, whereas the other folks are mainly coming from a pure gymnastics background, mm -hmm. discovered circus when they were 24, 20, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. But I need to know your origin stories of, tell me everything about the circus school. Man, sure. it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> sure. When I was young, let, let's go really back. Yeah, back. please do. <laughs> so uh, all my young age, I was always doing some acrobatic, you know, in the garden and everything. And I, I was saying to my, I want to do gymnastics. I want to do gymnastics. But it never 
never happened, you know. But at some point, uh, they decide to okay, let's put her in gymnastic, uh, some gymnastic camp, and let's see how it goes. And I start gymnastic at nine years old, and I finish it at 13 years old because it was too much stress, too much pressure, you know, like for a young person to not able to sleep at night because thinking of the competition of the next day, it was not, it was not healthy for me. And I saw this uh, advertisement about the uh, National Circus School and there was like an open door to go see and visit. And I asked my mom, oh, can, can we go just check? And, and we checked and the school was just like amazing. And I was like, the eyes, the eyes was big like this. <laughs> And I straight away knew I wanted to do that, you know. And after I saw one Cirque du Soleil show, Dralion, uh, with my friend, and I, that's it. That was my dream. So I entered in the circus school at 14 years old, and I graduated at 20 years old. So I stayed a long time there. I did my high school program and then college health program all there, and it was it was crazy. I, I love this school and I can recommend to anybody who wants to be a great artist to really go have a formation there because it's so complete. You do acting class, dance class, you know, you have everything, musculation, flexibility, you, you touch everything. And this is, I think, make uh, artists very complete when you have so much, you know, baggage with you. It's, it's much easier to go on the road of circus after. I love that. So is it a typical path for someone your age, age 14, to kind of transition to go through six years of training? Or do people start younger or older typically? You have the opportunity to just go on the collegial program, which start like, you know, like a collegial is three years of collegial. So you can just go there when you, whenever you want, when you have the age for it. And just do three years of complete formation and then after graduate and go on the road for circus. Or you can do the high school program too, which you have classes and, you know, English, mathematics, all your program of school plus circus too. I think it's good for the kids because you have all afternoon activity and the morning you have school and, and classes. But it depends, I think. People mostly go for the collegial program, just for the three years program. But now the schools start to grow more and more because a lot of people want to get there. So I don't know. It, it really depends of your age and your experience. Mm. So where are you from originally? Montreal. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a very convenient location for you to fall in love with the Circus Act. And when you went to school, what was the uh, international aspects of things? Meaning, did you see many kids from other countries um, or mostly from Montreal? Uh, a lot of people come from everywhere around the world. There's people coming from Australia. There's people coming from Japan. Like, it's really international, like, from everywhere. And a lot of coaches are Russian. It's so many cultures that it's so easy to, to be like a family because, like, you have people all around the world and and we learn from other people things and they learn from, you know, like, so it's it's so fun. I also happened to have gone to a an international school when I first got to the United States and I felt really comfortable as a result. It wasn't me versus all the American kids, but there's 
all of us involved. Isn't it interesting because now you travel around the world, like literally all around the world, that experience from National Circus School probably really helps with your travel experience to some degree. Oh, for sure, for sure. And because also, you know, you get to know things from other people that, yeah, it's it's make it really more easy after when you go, you're not like surprised, like, oh my God, you know, like you just already start, start to adapt from the school. And even like I, I was 17 and the school... National Circus School did an exchange with the Australian Circus School for one month. So I went at 17, one month in another family, stayed there, have circus classes, and then one month later come back, you know. And this experience, like, just make it, I'll say, so much baggage for you for the future. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the list of classes that you're taking. And like you mentioned, there's juggling, there's acting, there's stretching, there's human anatomy, everything you're learning there. What are some of the, you know, your favorite subjects and in school as well as, you know, what are some of the acts that you're most interested in kind of honing in? Because you are a lot of things and in the air. (laughs) I always wanted to be a flyer. It was my goal. I wanted to do like hand-to-hand, like acrobatic with a partner on the ground. Yeah, you know, so many people do that. And it's, I mean, it's hard to get like uh, your name out of many people because it's really common. And I also try Russian, Russian bar. It's like a bar. I was loving it, but Trio, like to be three people, it's always complicated, you know, than a duo. I always wanted to work as with one partner. I really struggled to find my way and found what, for what I was made to do, you know. And after that, like my coach just made me try this Russian cradle. And it was just for fun. I, w- I was really not thinking that I would be a f- Russian cradle uh, flyer. But then, like, I start to practice and I was good at it and I was surprised. Oh, okay, I can do that and that's cool. And the challenge it was giving me to break the fear of doing things so incredible, it was it was hard, you know, like to t- like because always you train with the security security launch, like some attachment. And when it's time to take out them, to try without, it's it, the feeling of fear. <laughs> but you get used to it and you get used to it and you're so proud of yourself when you do it and it's everything worked well. And I just knew at this moment that it was it was for me and the guys at the school was, hey, you have big balls to do that. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just felt in love with it. And sometimes when I'm, long time without training I, f- I feel I need I need this feeling of flying and yeah it's so enjoyable now mm, there's so many parallels between circus and life and I love how David Williamson says that there in fact life is a circus and yes yeah you know what you just mentioned I think so many people listeners even though they have never been in even seen a circus needless to say that they would ever perform in one can relate to that because, you know, we spend a lot of our 
time thinking, what am I made of? What am I good at? Or is this thing I've been doing for 10, 20 years, is that my calling? You know, and I love what you're saying because you, I think you found it because you kept trying instead of sitting in the corner, calculating, perfecting, or just thinking. And I love the fact that all the other guys are thinking, wow, that's, (laughs) you know, you're different. You're something special. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, when I trained, I I felt a lot of time, you know, but the goal is to stand up and do it again, you know, stand up and do it again until you get it. And it's hard sometimes, it's frustrating. You you want to do this and you're falling and you're falling and you're falling and sometimes you hurt yourself and to never give up on something, it's the best key of success, you know, when you go for it and yeah, there will be hard time in everything you do. It never can be easy because if it would be easy, everybody would do it. And I think, yeah, I found my way and myself into Russian cradle because it just challenged me and I, I love it. It's, it's made for me for sure. Wow. I love to hear that. So you said you fell more than a few times. And oh, I, I love <laughs> Wow. Tell me, how do you typically fall? And what, what do you mean by falling from the Russian Cradle Act? Because you are very high up in the air. Yeah, well, sometimes one end can slip and that's it. I, I go on the mat straight away. But it depends of which movement. Because some movement can throw me away and some movement can throw me just straight down. I cannot always know which position I will land. Uh, one time I felt and I break my spine and I was staying in the hospital for a long time and I couldn't walk. And But this was not with my husband. It was with a, another partner for a small contract and it just didn't went well. He was missing experience too. And he tried to catch me, but I was too far. So I just land on the stomach with the legs, you know, like, uh, on the sandwich, like up opposite side, and uh, I was in the hospital in Spain, and nobody was speaking English. It was terrible, you know. Wow. But with my husband, uh, nothing bad happened. We we fell a couple time on the mats or something, but nothing nothing bad happened. It just yeah, it just sometimes you know when I'm tired or I can see some flashback of this accident, and it's. It's hard on those days, but I trust my husband. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see the trust that you, um, even when you kind of gauge into each other's eyes and um, even when I'm sitting farther away among the audience, I could just see that chemistry in a way, you know, there's there's that love, there's trust, there's experience. I could see something similar between the Atherton twins because they're identical twin brothers. I talked to them. There are some similarities in terms of their act. They're aerialists. And I remember Andy telling me that he said he will never let go. It was so touching. It kind of you know, drew tears to my eyes. And he said, if anything happens, he will go down with his brother. He will never let mm-hmm. him let him go. Mm-hmm. So your experience that you broke your spine, how long did it take for you to, for you to heal from that accident? Uh, it's a good year, but I was young. You know, I was uh, 20 just before I entered to Cirque du Soleil in Corteo. So this year after this accident, I entered to Corteo and I started to train with Andre. But uh, yeah, a good year. And I was in hospitals in Spain for like a full week. No, not uh, moving uh, on the morphine, like a lot of medicine. 
Yeah. For the for, and I couldn't like stand up to go pee. They had to give me a ball under my, you know, like it was just it was difficult. And when I went home, I was thinking, you know, should should I do this again? Should I will I be able to perform again the Russian Cradle? I, how my brain gonna react after? But my desire and my um, I was missing this this feeling. And after I made audition for Cirque du Soleil, and they took me for the show. And the guys, the guys were so big, you know, like I was feeling confident already and a lot of experience. And when I started to train with Andre, I was really see that he was trying to make me confident with his eyes. It's okay, everything's going to be fine, you know. And I, I start to really enjoy again. And it was easy after. It was, it was way easy. Mm, I could see it in his eyes. I remember just from Curios, um, I felt safe among the audience watching him throw you than anybody else in the world because I didn't even know that you were married. You were um, a couple in real life. But to me, that's besides the point. But he has that feeling that he's always going to protect you. He's always yeah. going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And there's something beyond, like you said, the makeup and the stage, the theme, but in just that pure human connection and relationship that's so intricate and so unforgettable for, for us as an audience. That's really incredible. And lying in the hospital bed, knowing that something even worse could have happened, and we all think about those things and we get scared, either at that time or in circus school, did you ever think about quitting to say, this was cool, but not anymore? Or did you ever try to talk yourself out of it? No, I think no, I'm not a, I'm not giving up on that. I was maybe I was scared maybe, but not. I never thought that. No, I should quit it. My my parents thought, oh, you should maybe do it. <laughs> but you know, like of course they got scared, and I'm away, and they don't know if you know I will walk again or something like that. No, I I never had this in mind to stop. I'm not a quitter. I'm I'm never been quit. Like I don't know. Like for not for that. Mm, wow. <laughs> you know, when you love uh, when you love an art and you're ready to give up everything. And I'm thinking, looking at all the acts, uh, all the actors, aerialists and acrobats, I feel that there's that common sort of theme among you guys. If you didn't love this, I don't think you could possibly even do it. You have to love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think when I was 14 years old and I was my dream, it was to be a circus artist and to know where I am today and how hard work I did all this all these years. I'm so lucky and I'm really happy because it's not everybody that can do what they love in life. You know, my parents always encourage me, always they never told me I should stop to do that because they know I love it that much. But all this hard work and you know, my friends from long time say to me, oh, I look your picture on Facebook. You really did what you wanted in life. Huh? And I say, yes, and I'm really happy. I'm really happy because you know, so, so many people don't have the choice to to do what they want. And it's it's sad to think that people go to work every day and don't like what they do or something. And me, it's a pleasure, you know, like I go, yeah, sometimes I'm tired. And, oh, I would not do my act 
today because I'm tired. But anyway, after when I finish and I bow in front of all the audience and I see the eyes of some some little girls, you know, it's like all this makes me still keep doing. And that's why I'm like addicted to my job. <laughs> wow. Well, that's incredible. How did your parents react when they watched you for the first time, second time? Did your mom have to look away and were like, you know, <laughs> wear blinders? My mom was like this, the full time. Oh, oh no, oh no. And she was panic like sometimes, like <laughs> even on the TV. You know, when I'm beside her and we watch my performance again on the TV, she's, she's still like this. <laughs> yeah, my, my father always like push me like a little bit yeah you can do that you can you know like always gave me this this proudness that I should be proud of what I do and I have balls and you know my father always have been on this way with me and my mom always have been, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> just fun. even on gymnastic my father you know I was sometimes crying after my competition it's like you know next time you will do better and that's it you know and this always encouraged me too and Wow. You got the yin and you got the yang. So Yeah, yeah. Wow. Are you the only child by chance? No, I have one older brother. Wow. But he's not a circus artist at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, just the only one in the family that is the little clown of the family. <laughs> That's amazing because it's not that you followed your cousins, your mom, your sibling or anyone else. You knew this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, when, as I told you, when I saw sometimes little girl in the audience with like big eyes and starring after watching my performance, you know, this is make me go back in time when I saw my first installation and I was the one like, like that, you know, and now it's like, it's like opposite. And it's, it's so strange feeling because when I saw those little girls, I'm like, so I want to hug them because they're so cute. And, you know, like, uh, I wish I can inspire them to do something crazy like that, you know? Yeah, I think you did. There's no question. You've, you always inspire big girls like myself to do something useful and meaningful mm -hmm. with my life. And uh, when it comes to Cirque du Soleil with circus, to me, to me, it's not entertainment. In fact, mm -hmm. I don't like when people see it as entertainment or use it as purely entertainment. I think it's about life. It's lessons we need to learn about ourselves, even if we don't go up there a hundred feet in the air and flip around and being tossed around. But there's something just sitting as part of the audience that, you know, I was learning constantly and I'm learning in between shows to think about, mm -hmm. you know, as simple as it sounds that if you were able to do that, if I'm having a tough day here, if I had a tough year, it's nothing. I can overcome that because what you have portrayed is something that, you know, really wasn't humanly possible. Think about before the circus, nothing you did, nothing you do today was even remotely a possibility. I think you've uh, shown little girls, little boys and adults and grandparents the potential that human beings actually have, that we limit ourselves all the time.
So tell me a bit about how your day is. Like, when do you wake up? When do you go to the gym? And when do you go to the show, typically? Um, depends. Sometimes we have two shows. In the day that we have two shows, we try to not work out too much in the morning because it's too much. But when we have one show, usually we try to wake up around 9.30, 10, because we finish show late. You know, it depends when the show are. We wake up, take coffee, you know, wake up a little bit, uh, take shower, and then go to the gym. Do I do usually like some cardio, some a little bit like stabilization for my shoulder because my shoulder is like, you know, like without them, I cannot work. So I need to protect them, a good uh, stabilization of the shoulder for my husband. It's his back, you know, because the back takes a lot of, uh, of weight for, for him. Uh, back and legs and so we do a little bit of training then go grab something to eat travel in the city if it's not too cold like here right now <laughs> Boston and Detroit yeah and yeah sometimes keep contact with family and friends uh, online and then go work, do my makeup one hour before the show start to do makeup air and ready to go and then the so for instance the sh a lot of the show starts at around seven or I know sometimes there's like a nine o'clock show as well. Yeah. So when do you have to get there? Like, for, for example, if the show starts at seven, when do you have to be backstage and ready to go and make up? Well, here with 1903, because it's a, in the theater, it's different than in a big tent. Because in a sh uh, big tent, usually, you know, you can be there all the time. But in the theater, you, you they have limit hours that you cannot be there all the time. So the, sh the call is a uh, half hour before the show. But for some people like me who need more time for the air, you know, I'm arriving one hour before the show. But some people, like the contortionist example, she have a lot of like stretching to do. So she arrived like about one hour and a half before the show. So it depends on everybody. Wow. You know, the, the guys have to do one line and a, a little bit air spray and they are ready. So for them, it's, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> And, but for, for the girls, you know, right now we don't have complicated uh, makeup. It's not like Cirque du Soleil makeup. So it's very fast. It's easy. It's casual. You do your makeup. So it's not so long. It's just more the air because the air style is really like from 1903. It's a little bit different. So it's just the air that takes a little bit more. Mm. Do you have a preference working in, in a theater versus tent? What do you like more? I think... Uh, it's hard to say because there's uh, the tent because the the public is on the 360 almost 360 this is a little bit more challenging because you have to play for everybody around when you're on the theater they are all in front so you always play for them in front for my husband it's more hard for him to play all around for me it's easier because I do a lot of movement and I I dance on the, and I can see everybody, but for him, he's limited, you know, so it's hard to say. I think I would say theater. Theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the backstage, I think it's bigger. I like the look and feel of a tent, but I remember seeing, you know, Roman and, uh, and you know, Rainy, everybody running around and the space in the backstage is limited. There's like one shower, there's one yeah. clothing rack. It's just... It's hard to be a woman to say, I need a lot of space for my stuff. And yeah, we, mm -hmm, <laughs> because you, you do your makeup in a small case that you open and close, you know, and it's not like in the theater, we have our space by 
couple or you know like me and andre we are in one room there's a shower for us the bathroom yeah so it's more you feel more like um intimacy and in your your space you feel better like for this you know backstage in a tent also you can have opportunity to warm up with your apparatus like because here we don't have two russian cradle we have only one that is set up on stage but in curious we had two we have one backstage and one on stage so you can practice so it depends there's the good and bad from from both <laughs> yeah i saw the i saw you practice backstage and uh how concentrated how focused you were it was lovely i'd love to ask you a little bit about kind of uh you know you have really good skin and then you're very you're very thin you're very fit and you're thin and so people must ask you about your diet and how you keep yourself healthy all the time what's your secret uh secret no it's like uh, for sure, a lot of running, car- a lot of uh, cardio, uh, cardio to burn, <laughs> burn the calories. But yeah, I try to eat really light meals, especially you know because of what I do, I cannot eat heavy before to do acrobatic. Anyway, I don't feel good, and <laughs> you know I, I like to feel light. So for this reason, I try to you know uh, not take anything with too much oil and not fried you know like really light meals like chicken with vegetable i love vegetable i could eat salad just this all day you know because i think because i got used to eat vegetables and now it's like my life i've I've been vegetarian for four years before and i think at this point it's really changed my way to eat and to be able to like control my weight because some people doesn't have knowledge about nutrition and i add class of nutrition so i really learn how to keep the body lean and uh, you know i can gain some time weight on the vacation and everything but i have the knowledge to know how to re- to burn it after you know after when we come back to training so yeah, a lot of vegetable, a lot of fish and light light meat and of course this is not bad for the for the body. Mm, and but, very low carb, like very yeah. little bread and rice that type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I I took also supplement to not have like missing of vitamins or of energy and everything. I omega 3, you know, I my supplement to feel to feel good anyway because some people sometimes not eat enough and miss vitamin and don't have energy so yeah it's just need to know how to treat your body to have the energy to do what you do and to keep yourself healthy mm. but i'm curious what the some of the supplements you take uh, other than omega-3 which i also take <laughs> uh, i take a cla which is a good fat uh omega-3 I take a uh, fat burner usually. It's from one brand that I love. It's like to help to promote fat burn during the day. And I have my pro- probiotic. Yeah, probiotics. That, it's that great. Also, and uh, also usually before the bed or in the morning after training, I usually take uh, yogurt with um, protein, like lean protein to have at, at least protein, but no, not a lot of fat from that. So this this is my my supplement that I take daily. Wow, I I have them sitting on the counter. I for, I do forget to take them sometimes, <laughs> but 
I think I'm ready for Cirque. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes when you start to take you, when you forget. But I have, I put them all the time at the same place where I know, okay, I will wake up in the morning and take my, my vitamins and then, okay, I'm set. You know, now it's a routine, so I don't forget. Mm, that's super smart. I, I find that people like yourself have a, a really stringent routine that works for you. I think about, you know, the, I think about your luggage, like what, you know, if the space is very limited, you're, you're on the move all the time. It must be really challenging. I was thinking like for me to travel for a few days, a few weeks is one thing, but you were on the road all the time. I mean, how, how do you pack and how do you find time to do other things? I wonder. Well, before I, when I started packing, it was a anxiety like uh, anxiety panic you know like ah, and what I do it but now you know because we travel often I have my routine when we arrive to one place I open my luggage I install everything what I would my cream my pills I install everything where I would put it normally like my cream on the bath and once everything is installed then I'm set okay I close what I don't need I leave it in the luggage and I take only okay we are one week here I will take this 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 put in the in the I'll say and after I'm set usually I need that my husband is not there when when I'm installing because he's <laughs> in the way and I think I just got the routine now I know okay uh, when it's time to pack we pack one day usually one day before to leave my training clothes there my pills there you know like all my space and my luggage have like a special compartment for this thing and this thing so it's just easy now but before, before it was a mess. How big is your luggage? Is the standard like a extra yes, big I, one? Yeah, two standard luggage. Mm-hmm. Wow. For me, and, for me and my husband. Wow. So you each, you each, uh, you know, have a luggage basically with all your life things packed in there. Yeah. yeah. People say that being as part of the circus is hard because you you spend a lot of time away from your family and friends. What is that like for you? How much time per year, roughly, are you on the road? And when do you see your family? Yeah, sometimes, you know, it really depends on the contracts. Right now, we are on the road with 1903, but we have sometimes uh, one week off between cities. So this week I can go home and see my, my family. But other time when I was on a permanent contract with Curios, uh, with Corteo, it's like a li- uh, once a year for two weeks you leave. The, yeah. But... You know, now we have Skype, we have Facebook, we have... So this is a big plus for us because we keep connection and we don't feel that we not see them, you know. But for sure, nothing is comparable to a real hug with your mom or your dad, you know. But now I've been one week at home and I will go back one week at home in two weeks. So I, I see them and they will come visit in New York too, so... It really depends which contract you take which, and which, which company. God, this is so interesting. may not be as interesting to you as it is to me. But So when do you have time? When do you find time to hang out, to be silly, and to even drink um, at all? I don't really drink, but I, I understand why people in your profession need to relax and, and, and do all that. 
Well, you know, like our our day is mostly free. So all these things like to activity I can do usually during the day. But yeah, like party, usually when we do uh, the first show, the first show of the city, we usually have a premiere party. Or when we finish a city, we have a like end of the city party. So it's basically with, with our cast, you know, like at the end or at the beginning of the week, we just have a little fun and everything. And when we do transfer, we sometimes drink a little bit and relax. And But yeah, but sometimes with one day off per week, you feel that you, you don't have opportunity to rest or to party. But after that, you know, you, you can be three weeks on the work working and then you have one week off where we can you can be silly and crazy and just go on the beach or whatever, travel where, wherever you want to. Mm. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much for, I, I was almost feel like it was rapid fire questions and I want to know how it all works together. What is it like to be a self-made and traveling artist like yourself? And that's so fascinating and you're incredible. I, I really, I feel so thankful and uh, appreciative for your artwork, but also when we met for just the first time and you're so warm and you're very accepting of people approaching you and uh, you clearly, you possess so much talent when it comes to circus as well as in life. And I'm just so thrilled to have this conversation. That's awesome. I'm so thankful to, that you have been interested of of my life and my career that's that's awesome to have somebody really that want to interview you to know about your life that's thank you so much you're so welcome i um have a good uh, evening yeah you too take care Bye. bye hi there it's me again i want to thank you very much for listening to this episode and i hope you were able to learn a few things if you enjoyed what you heard, it will be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Phase Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Phase Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support. <laughs>